Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. All right, so we're going we're gonna to dive in uh, to a bit of a reflection for this morning. I'm actually kind of, I, kind of excited about this when it sort of started to take form. Uh, for for today, so we're staying in the general vein of this conversation about about uh, understanding our journey with Jesus uh, uh, more than being kind of a binary in you know you're out then you're in or whatever, but they're being actually built into this a long arc of maturity of growth of development of the Lord actually cultivating and creating us to be full expressions of. Um, of who he created us each independently, uniquely to be and together, right? And so, um, and I know I've been saying this stuff every single week. Uh, there's a reason for that. It's because repetition hopefully helps to, to sink an idea. Uh, it's okay for us to be in a maturing process, a maturing journey. It's okay for us to not be um, there or arrived yet as we journey towards Jesus, uh, as we journey towards that vision that he's calling us to, that purpose that he's calling us to, as, as long as we are actually making movement towards that in some way. Um, and so uh, today we're going to be living heavily in metaphors, um, but, they're, but they're not mine mostly. There's just one that's maybe mine. The rest of them are all metaphors of the scriptures and of, one of God's favorite metaphors, in fact. Uh, so I think we're in good company. Um, the, what I want to be clear about when we talk about this, because this is sort of a, a general, a general a way of looking at, the, at life, at, at the maturing life, the work of God in our life to cultivate and refine us and also as a people to be cultivated and refined. This is a, it's a different perspective, maybe a paradigm shift. Um, and, but it's less, what I'm more interested in um, is actually creating, having us our capacity to believe that this stuff really matters and that we are actually for real legitimately um, being shaped and moved towards a, a vision, an eternal, an, an ultimate eternal kind of goal. Um, uh, that point where you've, where you can say that you've run, run the race. And I don't just mean, um, you know, the crossing over into, into death, but this idea of participating with the, with the eternal long, well, eternal, which is pretty long story of God's purposes. When he, when we talk about the, the end of the book, when we look at revelation and we see this idea of new creation and, and the eradication of evil things and the eradication of, of things that, that, that are destructive and make us, um, uh, cause us trauma and pain and suffering and tears and, and the, the scriptures paint for us a vision of something that almost feels like it's too good to be true. Um, but I think, you know, as I've been contemplating things like capacity and, and energy and focus and drive for a, for a while now, how do we sustain um, through the marathon that seems to be life in this day and age? Um, what we believe is possible is so important. To, it actually is like gasoline in the tank. Um, or here's a total quick aside. We just went electric with vehicles. So it's like having a fully charged battery in your, in your vehicle, right? Like, you know, it's, it's belief is what actually compels us and propels us forward. Um, faith 
is not simply believing in a series of, of truths, but it's actually, um, it, it, it allows us to set our eyes pretty far down the road. Um, you know, the Wright brothers uh, were thought of to be crazy by many, uh, if not most people, um, but they believed that flight was possible. If they didn't believe it was possible, it wouldn't have happened or they wouldn't have discovered it. Belief is really important. And so I want at the end of maybe this whole series in meta terms, I, I my hope is that we will believe that we can be mature in Christ, that this is something that doesn't feel impossible, despite some of our challenges, despite the many setbacks that we might encounter. It's, it's possible. Um, and if we have Christ as our foundation, I would say it's even inevitable. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to frame that. Uh, this is not just about having a new aha moment, so we have a new theory that we can apply to our understanding of Jesus, but that it would actually increase our capacity to believe that it matters and to believe that it's possible. Okay, so um, I want to read a passage. We've uh, I've touched on this before. I think uh, it's right near the end of the book. It's Revelation twenty-one, uh, and it's verses nineteen through through twenty-one, and it's a very famous passage. This is the moment where the, the city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, as the scriptures tell the story, it descends uh, to the earth, right? And so here's what it says. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate. If I mispronounce some of these, you'll forgive me. The fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, and the ninth topaz. The tenth was turquoise. The eleventh, the eleventh was jacinth, and the twelfth was amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate was made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. So we have this incomprehensible vision of what we might call beauty. I don't know about you, but when I, if you, how you, how you responded to the photos that came up when I showed the photos of, of the space that we're contemplating. But for me, walking in it, I got to be honest with you, the idea of not meeting in a high school gymnasium is like, that's that's a real win for me aesthetically right being in a beautiful space because it is it's a beautiful space it's not a perfect space but it it is beautiful and it's designed to be that way we respond to this stuff well here we have a description of something there is no earthly equivalent of right and so it's easy for us to say okay well that's that's the realm of of heaven right this is describing heaven this is describing that place that we think of when we think of the throne room or whatever but you know what's crazy that's actually not what this is it's not it's not what this is this describes the thing that's coming down now um you know what this is all going to look like and how it's all going to manifest and and you know how much of this is 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 metaphorical and we don't know any of that stuff really we we really don't but we know it's stunning now here are some things 
that are kind of in the surrounding passages. You know that there are dimensions that are that have to do with this city, right? As it's described and relayed to John um, uh, by the angel of the Lord, which you know by Jesus essentially, uh, there are dimensions that are given. Does anyone have any sense of scale? Uh, uh, how like kind of, and I know I didn't reference them, but when you imagine this, if you have imagined this, have you thought about geographically the size of this thing? Has that ever factored into your, your contemplation of this passage? And you don't have to answer me, but just kind of raise your hand if you're like, yeah, I have a general sense of what the, of what the size of it is. Okay. Did you know it's thinking huge? It is, it, is, it is massive. As a city, as far as a city goes, it, is, it, it dwarfs any concept of city that, it, that, that, that has ever been or ever will be. It's ridiculous. It's actually, it's actually ridiculous dimensions that are given and very specific dimensions, right? Um, <clears throat> so here, here they are. Do you want to know, know how long it is? You want the length of the city wall is that's made of all of those 12 pressure stones, by the way. Uh, 2,250 kilometers. I'll read that again. 2,250 kilometers long. Do you, do you want to know how, how wide the city, like the width of the city? If you're familiar with this, you, you know you, you know the punchline. The, the the width of the city, uh, it's it's ready for this. Two thousand two hundred and fifty kilometers wide. So so we've got we've got you know twenty two fifty kilometers by twenty two fifty kilometers. Now do you want to know how high the walls are? Are you curious? How high the walls are? They are two thousand two hundred and fifty kilometers high. Um, this is absurd, but this is exactly what the readers heard when they described, like, we don't, because it's using cubits and all this stuff, we don't necessarily think, and, and these dimensions are in probably in your translation, but they're in the footnotes. Um, it's, so it's a cube. It's 2,250 kilometers in length, in height, and in width. Now, do you want to know how thick the walls are? That are described here because again there are specific dimensions that are given do you want to know how thick these walls are a 216 feet thick 65 meters thick is is what's is what's relayed here okay so what i'm trying to tell you is that this is absurd <laughs> The image that's, and, and when you think about the kinds of materials that are being talked about here now, I've had teaching, I've heard teaching in the past, you know, that, and, and it was a preacher, God bless him. And, you know, and he was, he was saying, well, you know, we think that this stuff is so precious, but like in heaven, things, things are so amazing that this stuff that we think is precious is actually like building material. And that was the joke. And there was kind of a ripple of laughter throughout the congregation, right? Like, that's ah, just gold. That's just, that's just for paving stones. What do you think that's important? I actually have a different read on this now. I believe that every ounce, if you, every, every square inch of, of what the Lord is building with are actually precious stones. And I'm going to support this. And I'm also hopefully going to draw a connection through this conversation about maturity. But 
But I'm going to support this biblically, that this is true, that the Lord cares and values very much in the scriptures, the kinds of materials that he's talking about. This is not diminutive. This is a celebration of something that is way bigger than we could ever hope to imagine. Right now, here's something else that I think is really pertinent and just a sideline. Well, how can those things be true at the same time? I I, I don't know. Bear with me. Um, So the the Roman Empire uh, at its height, uh, in terms of square kilometerage, right, was and I've done I've done the math here. Well, this I researched. Uh, was uh, five million uh, six uh, six five million sixty two thousand and five hundred square kilometers. That's the size of the Roman Empire around the time of Jesus, right? Which is kind of around the apex of that. Five million sixty two thousand five hundred square kilometers. Now, um, the uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. I just I just switched my I just switched my facts. I got that messed messed up. Sorry. The approximate square kilometer of the Roman Empire was 5 million square kilometers. 5 million square kilometers. The footprint of the city of God, the footprint of New Jerusalem that's coming down, is 5,062,500 square kilometers. It's within like less than 10% of the, of, of the actual understanding of what people in the Roman Empire would have considered the known world. The whole, the whole world in that mindset. And so I don't believe that that is a mistake at all. When the scriptures are talking about the new Jerusalem coming and, and the city that doesn't need, doesn't need the sun, doesn't need the moon because it has, because it has Jesus. It doesn't even need temples because, because the sun it provides all of the heat. The sun provides all of the protection. The gates are thrown wide open. And it is basically almost exactly the footprint of this empire that at that time was the known world to the listeners. None of these things, I think, are accidental. And none of these things are coincidental. There's something here that talks about the work of the Lord in, in the telos, in the ultimate direction of things, um, that this is, this is significant. That this is that this is is big, and remember that when we've talked about mature uh, maturity, um, you know the the broad understanding of this has to do with the fulfillment of all intention, essentially, right? So being made perfect, which is to say, to come into a full expression of who God made us to be, for the world to come into a full expression of what God made it and us in it to be. Fulsome, complete, total. That's the kind of thing that's being portrayed here. This isn't some meek city that people need to like, you know, travel, travel to as they might have for, you know, back in the day when they would do, and even today, doing pilgrimages to, to Jerusalem and, and, and walking hundreds or, you know, of, of kilometers or thousands of kilometers to make pilgrimages. This is a very different picture that's taking place here. It's an upending of our understanding. And I believe it is so deeply connected to the story of God maturing and growing and shaping and developing who we are as people and as a church and as a world, actually that it will come to full maturation. It will come into perfection. And that's what's being described here in this. 
right? Now, just a few things that that resonate with me as I was reflecting on some of this, because when script when scripture rhymes, when it echoes itself, that usually means something. So, um, so for example, when it's, when we're talking about this foundation, now remember this foundation is massive, right? What does this have to do with our development? What does this have to do with our vision, our belief of what's possible, of what might be on the other side of the maturation process that the Lord has us on? Because let's be clear, match, getting mature mostly is, well, often is hard work, right? It, it's kind of challenging. It's not the easiest thing. Doing the mature thing is usually, usually means doing the hard thing, usually means that. And, um, and so, you know, in Matthew uh, 16, uh, verses 16 to 9, Jesus is having this conversation, uh, and he's having this conversation with a guy named named Simon, right? But but Simon is about to get a bit of a his world is about to be flipped upside down a little bit, and and so Jesus replies to him and says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah," right? And then there's a couple of other things that he has to say in there, but he picks up and he says, "I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock." And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I think this is really, this is not disconnected from the picture of New Jerusalem. We're talking about things like foundation, right? Jesus, when he's speaking of stone that he's going to build something on, he's talking as a builder, right? God is building something. And, um, and, 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 the, and the thing is, it's like, is, is he though? Is the Lord a builder? Like it comes up, it comes up over and over and over again. It's a massive theme of the life of David and his son Solomon, right? This idea that the Lord is building something. Initially, this was an idea of the Lord building a nation, a people, a priest, a, a royal priesthood, right? This nation. But then it translates into this talk of, of temple. And, you know, my, my thinking on this has shifted a little bit. I don't know that Solomon uh, and even David quite understood because they were thinking a building project. When the Lord spoke of a building project, they were thinking, they were thinking buildings, right? Um, but over and over again, the scriptures, the long story of the scriptures point to a different kind of building. So is the Lord a builder? Well, yeah, the Lord is a builder. Um, are, are we to participate in that, right? We've talked about this idea that maturity is, is, is God doing God's work and us doing our work, right? There are, just, there, there are some things that are distinctive. We have some work to do that's on our own uh, volition. Uh, we need intention in that. And both of these things are true at the same time. And I'm just going to reference Psalm 127 for this, right? Psalm 127 opens with this idea, and this is a psalm that's written by Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor, uh, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. So there's this, so right here we have this picture that there's something for us to do in this. As we build, are we, are we called to help build the kingdom? Are we called to help build the kind of community that reflects Jesus into this world? We absolutely are called to do that. We're absolutely called to learn a craft, just as the builders who worked on that temple were, were skilled and they learned their craft. And at the same time, there was 
concurrent, this idea that, that if the Lord wasn't also building, that this other work was meaningless. So we do this in tandem with the Lord. This is the Lord's building. It's the Lord's church. And we have responsibility in it. Right, so so here we have some ideas of the Lord working with building material. But what's interesting is that at the same time, there's this idea of of excavating, right? And I want to say that getting mat- being matured, uh, going through um, the, this life and, and being developed and shaped, it it actually often feels like getting excavated, doesn't it? Like excavation, I don't know how that resonates for you. I'm a metaphorical thinker, as you know. And so for me, yeah, it feels like sometimes, oh my gosh, it feels like there's just all this rambling going on. And if you've ever driven through the mountains, you know that, you know, some of that stuff is like, you know, sometimes excavating and mining involves dynamite, right? Like it's it's not easy work. And sometimes it even feels a little bit uh, almost violent. And, and that is not out of keeping with some of the experiences of, of life these days where internally there's a roiling and there's a work that's being done, right? Well, is it possible that the Lord is in some of that? Does the Lord excavate? You know, and again, are we called to excavate? Well, well, I think so. I think so. Again, in Matthew, we have this picture of um, where Jesus is telling these parables, Right. And Matthew 13, 44 and 45 says, says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a person found and hid. Then because of joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that land, right? He bought that field. So what I've often thought of when I've considered this and read this is the idea that the, the the protagonist in this and you know um, and, and it's it, it there's a it, it can be frustratingly unclear who that is is that Jesus is that us are we the treasure is Jesus the treasure you know what's going on here who who kind of lives in what part of the story and I think the answer to those questions ultimately is yes uh, to all of them but um, this idea of of seeing something and and there this this you know, you come across a treasure. Well, I, I thought about it like almost like a treasure treasure chest, right? Or something, or something precious. But I believe that this works when you think of this idea of coming across um, a repository of some of this precious material, amethyst, uh, you know, these, these, different, um, these different stone, you know, gold, a vein of gold. Um, jasper, sapphire. I mean, these are all things that come out of the ground, emerald. These are things that are discovered. And, and when they're discovered, when we discover evidence of them, what happens with people who have the capacity, they'll go and they'll, they'll sell everything that they have if they can get enough capital to purchase the land, right? To be able to, to work it. And so I have this image. And again, I'm, I'm playing with the scripture here a little bit, but this idea of the protagonist walking along and seeing a, seeing a, a vein of, of gold in a rock, right. And quickly covering it up so that they can, you know, so they can go away and they can purchase it and then excavating it and cultivating it. And, and again, from the ridiculous dimensions of that city that's described in Revelation, if nothing else, we get the sense that there is a lot of mining that the Lord does, right? There is a lot of precious material that's being cultivated and shaped and formed into this picture of what the Lord is inviting us to in the end of, in the fulfillment, let's call it, of all things in new creation, right? 
And Jesus, he carries on in the very same thing. And he says, this, he tells a story that's very similar again. Again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant selling, uh, searching for fine pearls. And when he found a pearl of great value, he went and sold everything he had and, and bought it. And so again, there's this idea, well, are, are we the merchant? Are we looking for the, you know, those moments of uh, the, the kingdom that we recognize and then we purchase it and we give everything we have to follow Jesus? Well, well yeah. Um, and at the same time, it's most certainly that the Lord is looking, is also looking for pearls, right? Is also looking to, um, to, to purchase. And guess what? This idea of a great price, do you know who pays a great price? Not us. Jesus pays a great price. Jesus sells everything that he has to purchase and to develop. And so is it the Lord's work or is it our work? Well, the, the builders build the house, but if they don't do it with the Lord, they do it in vain. And so we do this together. This is a mutual thing. The Lord is, you know, as Alex was talking about earlier, you know, it's like, well, I feel like I'm singing this to the Lord, but I'm hearing the Lord singing it back to me. Right. So with the cross, pick up your your cross and follow me. So with 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 the invitation of Christ to step into His very life and His vocation. This is all connected to our story as followers and being shaped and matured, right? So that we're part of this thing. It's not just about us being um, feeling better about ourselves. We're part of a bigger story here, and that's the world needs this beautiful story. You guys, the world really needs a beautiful story. And there's a lot of ugly stories that have emerged out of the church. There are so many ugly stories that have emerged out of the church, right? Is it an, our, it, it's, it's the thing that gets brought forward, but is it our inheritance? Our inheritance is tied into this story. Our inheritance is tied into this beautiful, like the thing that's coming, not just the thing that we've brought forward with us, right? And I think it's important to bear these things in mind because I find myself losing heart in my own journey some days when there's just too much bad news coming at me and too many things that I'm ashamed of that have happened in the church that don't look like character and don't look like maturity at all. And I feel my own capacity to, to, to be faithful in the moment, to do the hard thing. I find it's waning. And so there's this call to remind us that this matters. This stuff really, really matters. The Lord needs, well, the world needs, the world needs the church that's leaning in and that's stepping forward and being matured to be this beautiful invitation, right? We're getting close here. What is the process of partnering, partnering with the work of God? What is the process of coming alongside of, you know, the Lord is excavating, the Lord is looking for these precious building materials that he's going to assemble into this spectacular thing, whatever that is an image of that city. Well, Matthew, again, Matthew says this, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. I know there's a lot of scripture this morning, but I feel like there's a, this is a pretty, they're all pertinent to me, I think. So Jesus says this, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
Again, this stuff matters. Is the Lord a builder? Yes. Is the Lord building buildings? No. The Lord is building us into, when he, when the Lord thinks temples, he's not thinking stones and mortar and bricks and whatever, you know, the beautiful materials that filled those temples. Those are pictures. Those are images. Those are invitations. But we get this wrong over and over again throughout the story where we want to materialize, um, uh, you know, and this is pertinent for us as we look at maybe stepping into a beautiful space and having a good relationship with a space like that, right? The Lord is not about building um, empire. The Lord is not about building up these massive buildings that, um, that as much as I love cathedrals, and I think that, you know, God has spoken to me in those spaces. That's not the point of the church. The Lord is assembling us. The Lord is calling us. We are the temple. He spoke to Peter and said, you're part of the foundation, right? I'm going to build my church on this. I'm going to build, which I think is not unreasonable to say, I'm going to build my new city. My new Jerusalem is going to be built. Now, he wasn't saying Peter was the totality of the foundation, but certainly part of it, he had a significant role to play, right? But I also think it's important that Jesus said that to the what I think is maybe the least mature of all of the disciples, right? Peter had a ton of work to do, and we also get to see that more than anyone else. And he said, you, you ridiculous, hot-headed, loud-mouthed guy who I'm about to like equate with the devil himself, you are going to be the founder. I'm going to build this thing on you. And so as specifically as he was being with Peter, I believe that that's not exclusive to Peter because you know how many layers are involved in that foundation? 12 of them, right? How many, how many disciples and followers Jesus had, you know, I mean, he had followers, but this disciples were 12 of them, right? There's a, there's a totality in that. So it all matters. And what it ultimately comes down to is Jesus. Does that surprise us? What it ultimately comes down to is that if we want to be full and flourishing people, we can, we can go through the motions of maturity as much as we want to. And maybe that's great. Maybe we won't be a jerk to our neighbors and stuff, and that's okay. But ultimately, it's not going to stand because the foundation needs to be Jesus and needs to be his words and needs to be um, the community as well, right? Um, we're, it matters that those walls are so thick. Like they're ridiculously thick. They're ridiculously high in that New Jerusalem image, right? None of those stones are alone. None of those sheets of emerald or whatever. I don't even know how that stuff works, but none of them are alone. They're all part of something that is way bigger than any of them. And that's part of, I think, an understanding of maturity is that we're not on our own. It's not about Chris becoming the best version of Chris so that Chris can be exactly who Jesus thought when he thought Chris. No, I mean, a little bit, but, but more particularly, who are we together? Crucial. Finally, a question. Am I reading too much into this new Jerusalem thing, being a metaphor for the human family, being brought together into the fullness of God's intentions, this idea that this is actually the primary metaphor for maturity of the church and potential of the world, let's call it. Am I putting too much weight on it. I don't think so. Because first Peter says this, and this is chapter two, verses four to eight. 
coming to him too as a living stone, which has been rejected by him. They're talking about Jesus here. It's been rejected by men, but as choice and precious in the sight of God. So Jesus is the living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. And then quotes, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. This whole thing builds on the cornerstone of Jesus. Absolutely. And we are absolutely, as absolutely, part of the the, the building plan that the Lord has for the city that we shouldn't mistake as a city, but we should understand as a people, because that's, that's the way that the Lord interprets building projects is people community. So that's what I have this morning. So I'm just going to close with some prayer. And then for those of us on the zoom call, we can take a few minutes and, and chat. Lord, we are, um, pretty commonly really self-centered in our understanding of our own journeys. We're so aware of our own deficiencies and the things that disqualify us. We're so aware of our own ambitions and the story of our own lives. We're consumed by it. What's going to be the peak of our lives? What are going to be the worst moments? That's, it fills our thoughts, most of us anyway, me. Lord, I thank you that when you call us, that you call us as individuals to a people, that you call us as, as these individual stories that are living out our time, but you actually ask us to participate and be part of, intrinsically part of what you are doing. And so, Lord, we give you the story of our community. We give you the story of our own lives, God, as we move towards you, as we move towards maturity in Christ and all that that means. Um, Lord, we ask that you'd come into our belief, our believer, our, the, thing that we, the, the things that we believe are possible, and that you would infuse them and break them actually wide open with the possibilities that are, um, that are living and breathing in the passages we've considered this morning. God, come and, and give us an imagination for a flourishing life and a mature life that, that, is, um, that is as ridiculous as, the, as the, um, the dimensions of that New Jerusalem passage. And God, the fact that we cannot begin to understand the worth of what it is that you're building. We can't factor it. We can't monetize it. Lord, give us a capacity to believe, God, that would be like, that would be like fuel. It would compel us to be able to do the hard work of pressing in and being faithful and staying, staying the course, the course to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for uh, 
for those who have tuned in online as well. Um, thank you. Bless you.